Today in the Attorney Career Advice Podcast with Harrison Barnes. If you surround yourself with a happy shirts, it's the opposite people that are going to take advantage of your generosity. I'm, help you. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not telling you. Then, then you need to get out. Or if it just doesn't. Opportunists who are unintentionally surrounded by negative influences, what practical advice can you offer to help uh, them mitigate any potential harm to the professional reputation? So that's a good question. I think what happens is there's, you have your white shirts and your black shirts, which is just exactly what it means. And and you choose uh, what what type of person you want to be around. and And that's really your decision. If you are with the black shirts, you're going to become, uh, and I actually, I shouldn't use the word black. Let's use red shirts or white shirt. Let's say happy shirts. (laughs) I hate these kind of old, um, should be obvious, happy shirts versus unhappy shirts. Um, So if you, if you surround yourself with unhappy shirts, that's just going to be what you're going to become. You're going to become unhappy. You're going to become defeated. You're going to become, you're going to see things through a negative light. And if you surround yourself with the happy shirts, it's the opposite. So you will see things more positively. And so there's nothing wrong with being surrounded by negative influences because they're around everywhere. They're around and anytime a group of people gets together. But at the same time, if you allow yourself to be surrounded by those people, it's going to run, you know, rub off on you. So it's not necessarily going to harm your professional reputation if you're around those sorts of people, but it's going to influence your happiness, how you look at your job, how you think about things, and ultimately what happens to you in your career. My advice would just be to do your best to surround yourself with as positive people as you possibly can. Oh, by the way, so if you if you ask a question and you're logged into Zoom and your board is going to show your name, I won't show your name, just cut and paste it. Okay, so I cut and paste the question. So in cases where unassigned work doesn't lead to immediate recognition or advancement, how can an attorney stay motivated and continue to invest in these efforts over the long run? Okay, so again, a lot of what happens in your career and in your life, furthermore, um, you're not going to get um, immediate recognition um, or be advanced for it. Um, It's just not gonna happen. So. Um, the only way um, you can fix any of this is really to um, stay motivated um, and continue uh, to do this stuff over the long run. Ultimately, uh, the people that get the most in their careers tend to be people that will take care of others, even if they don't get immediate recognition for it, and it will help you in the long run. I want to tell a quick story because I think it's interesting. It's about a guy I know that started this very successful electronics import export business and and how he became so successful so he was from iran and originally and had learned how kind of business was done there and i'm not criticizing iran or anything or an entire country or how they do business but what he took away from his experience there was that most transactions were made in business where you were trying to get the best deal possible meaning you would pound down the person you were buying things from or vice versa. They would try to get the most from you and, and where this kind of went on. And, and that was what made you successful was how good of a negotiation you were able to do. So he'd moved to the United States and was, was setting up this electronics business. And, and he had this opportunity. He wanted to 
um, be able to buy this. And I may have told this last week or the week before, but he wanted to be able to buy these video game consoles that were being sold, like PlayStation 3, or I don't know what it was, a long time ago. And and the profits on them were great. So he would buy them for, they would sell them for $150 to him, and then he would sell them for, or he would sell them for $75 to him. He would sell them to the stores for $150, and the stores would sell them. It's something along those lines, like just really high profit. And um, so he talked to uh, someone that was a representative of the Japanese company or whatever the company was uh, that was importing these. And they said, um, no, we're not going to sell them to you to sell the Best Buy and everything. Uh, but I'll tell you what we'll do is why don't you turn around and try to get rid of all of these last year's or last year's models. We'll send you 30,000 of them and, and we'll charge you this amount. And, and maybe next time I will have something for you. And he thought, well, why would I you know, get rid of 30,000 of these things and not make any money and spend all this time doing it? But he just said, okay. And so he went and did it and took him some time, but he didn't end up making any money on it, but he did what the guy wanted. The guy never called and thanked him or anything. And a couple of years went by and he figured, I just did all this work for some guy for nothing. And, but then after a couple of years, one day he got a call and the guy, I guess some new video game console was coming out. And he said, how would you like to have hundred thousand of these? And, and the opportunity to turn around and sell them. And he couldn't believe it. Like he ended up making an incredible amount of money because he'd done someone in the past. And so that can make um, a huge difference in your life and in your career and it can make a huge difference. I'll just tell you my personal story. It's not really on the same level, but it's how I got started in business. I had this right before I went to college, I had started this asphalt business and and to make a long story short, I went at it with the idea of being as making as much money as possible, getting an edge in everything I did, of trying to take do all these things to make money, to cutting co- the cost of my materials, all these bad things that I shouldn't have been doing. And and after a couple of months of this, or I basically bounced tons of checks, I upset all these people, and just was really a failure in the business and emotionally devastated. And because I didn't know what else to do, I uh, took a job uh, working as a garbage man in my city to, so I would have enough money for spending money when I went to college because my parents were in a position to even give me spending money. So I did this garbage man work. And then after a month or two of uh, doing this, I started the business when I was last semester or whatever of high school. Uh, A month or two, I had saved up some money and decided the best thing for me to do was to go out and fix all this bad work that I had done and just make everything right, even though um, I had no incentive to do it uh, other than um, how I felt about myself. And so I went out and I went and did this work and I was going around fixing things. And then then I had this experience where I was in a like a hardware store buying some materials. And this man was trying to was buying a bunch of this basically was asphalt sealant, buying a bunch of that and and I saw he was making mistakes because he was talking to a clerk. And I, so I went over and told him what he should be doing, how to buy the material and how much he should be buying and how to measure it and all this stuff that I didn't realize I'd learned when I did these, this horrible work. And he said, will you go out and look at this condominium complex that I'm in charge of? And he lived there, but was in charge of getting the work done and tell me how much money I should be paying to get it done and just look at it and so I can hire someone. And I said, sure. So I went out without thinking about it, just thinking I was doing something nice for someone. And I measured the whole parking lot and 
And I you know, I got there at eight o'clock at night and it took me till 11.30. And then I left him, I typed up a letter to him the next day where I just, you know, told him everything he should be doing. And then I put it in the mail with the idea that I was just doing something nice for someone. Uh, no idea that I'd ever get any uh, money out of it or anything. I just was trying to help him. And I figured he would hire someone that was experienced and this is what he should be paying. And um, that was it. Do you know the secrets to getting your dream legal job? We do. And one of the best things you can do is apply to jobs that fly under the radar. Applying to openings with very little competition means you stand a much higher chance of getting hired. But how do you find openings like that? For starters, you're not going to find them on major job boards because these jobs are usually only advertised on companies' websites and in small regional publications. That is why we created Law Crossing, the most comprehensive database of legal jobs in the world. We have a team of people constantly working to find every single legal job out there. Unlike other job boards, which only list jobs that companies pay to post, we include every legal job we can find in order to maximize your chances of finding a job. So what are you waiting for? Head over to www.lawcrossing.com to find your dream legal job today. So um, a couple of days later, he called me and, and basically said that he wanted me to do the work at the price I had quoted him for what he should be paying. So to make a long story short, I couldn't believe it. And I went out and made the equivalent of probably what would be like $10,000 today in two days worth of work. And it changed my life. It gave me like self-esteem. And, and the next summer I went into the business and did incredibly well. And I just kept getting better and better at it to the point where when I graduated from law school, I had to make a concession. When I graduated from college, going to even law school was something that I was like, I don't think I'll ever uh, be successful being a lawyer than doing what I'm doing now. And because it was, but it all started from uh, giving somebody something for free. And so that's something uh, that everyone should learn in terms of how business works in the world is that you, and this is the same thing that all the most successful partners that have these huge books of business tell me that they do. They find general counsels and people inside of companies that are having problems and, and they go and they help them and they do it without any expectation of any immediate financial gain. But eventually all this turns around. It could be referrals or the person goes to a new company and hires them. But you do suffer people without expecting any corresponding reward, just being a good person. And very few people do that. And if you do that, it's going to change. It can change your life. It change mine. I, I, I don't, I do these webinars. I'm not trying to help you. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not telling you how great BCG is. I'm not talking about other companies. I'm not, it's just because that's what you do. This people need to do. And most people don't. Most people expect everything to be a quid pro quo. And unfortunately, that's how most of the world works. And it just doesn't help people. Okay. Hey, what advice do you have for attorneys who want to be proactively seek out unassigned work opportunities without coming across as opportunistic or self-serving to their colleagues or superiors? I think that if you tell people or uh, partners and things you're interested um, in doing the kind of work that they do or, you, or that you think something sounds cool that they're doing or you, you do that and you genuinely are interested in it, no one's going to be mad at you or think you're like a sycophant because you're interested in something and, and it's not going to seem opportunistic or self-serving. You actually need to do it and come from a place 
where that's something that you're actually excited about and you do want to help people and or you are interested in it and you're not doing it for any gain. And that's the secret. The secret is to, to all this is you approach things without expecting any gain. You, you don't, you don't want, you, you want to do for other people, whatever that you can to help them uh, without any expectation that they're going to reward you financially or anything in the, in the future. And if you do that, then those people are much more likely to want to help you in the future, even when you're not asking for it. They will help you behind your back when no one's there and they're talking about you. They will help you in, in a million different ways. And you will look different from other people. It was interesting. I remember I was in college or no law school and I was having this just horrible relationship where I mean, it doesn't matter, but where something very bad had happened to me and it was with girlfriend and um, I was really looking for answers. And, and, and so I started going to church and just on my own, I was like, God, this is, I, I really need to figure something out here. And in any event, to make a long story short, I was at this church and this guy got up, the, got the I guess, it wasn't a priest, it, was, it doesn't matter, but got up and said, when you give to charity, like you don't do expecting to be recognized for giving to charity. You, you do so because it's something that you want to do. And you're not looking, your reward is not trying to look good to other people or, or, or talking about it. Your reward is just doing good and not expecting anything in return. And if you do that, all these other forces will come to your work. Whatever. I'm not saying godlike forces. I'm just saying the way uh, people that are giving things come back to them. I, I don't know how that works. Maybe it's because of how they approach the world and people can see that their spirit's giving. I don't know, but that's the idea. So you never want to um, come across as uh, someone that does is only out for themselves. Get your advice to limit cell phone use in the Alice Stream has merit. Yet in situation when attorneys are juggling multiple cases and waiting for crucial updates with strategies. Yeah, so that's great. So of course you need to you need to be always looking out for work-related stuff and things that are emergencies and, and that could pop up on your phone. And and so the way to do that maybe just to say, hey, I have this kind of important emergency that's going on or very important thing. Is it okay if I just check my phone real quick? I don't want to be disrespectful, something along those lines. And that's fine. Uh, people will understand that. My only point is that people are playing with their phones all the time. And, and a lot of times that can result in you being viewed in a negative light. Okay. So I think I already answered this question, but the idea is what advice you give to attorneys when they perceive little direct gain, you do receive gain. The gain is that how you're perceived, you're being perceived as being perceived as being on someone's team as opposed to the opposite is exactly what you need. So you want to be perceived as, as on uh, the team of others as opposed as opposed to the opposite and meaning against them. That's it. So there's always going to be people that are going to take advantage of your generosity. There's people that are going to try to push off your work as their own. There's just, there's people out there that are the happy shirts, or I guess you could say the good shirts and the bad shirts. And that's fine. You just, you do what you can to be associated with the right, being seen as the right type of person. That's it. And that's all you need to do. And again, that will have its own rewards. People will think of you in a certain way as opposed to a different way. And that, that will help you. These are all really good questions. I'm glad that I had the opportunity. It was actually to the, the advice, this particular thing, you probably can search for it probably on barnes.com or something. 
but it's called the garbage man story. And it may not be on that site, maybe on BCG or something. I don't know, but, but it's a, a story about all this. I, or you may just search for Harrison Barnes, you know, my name, and then the garbage man story. Um, but you'll find the story and it's a helpful uh, story, I think just for kind of understanding um, the percept, the, what, you know, how you get ahead in life and business. Um, this, this question is, um, in the context of law firm dynamics, how can I approach discussions about transition away from certain practice areas with partners, supervisors, and partners, while still demonstrating my commitment to this firm's success? Okay, so that's a good question. So the idea is um, you can't just suddenly say, I'm a corporate attorney, I want to be a litigator, uh, because you don't know what being a litigator is like. You, know, you won't know what it's like until you actually try the work. Or you can't discuss transitioning away from being a tax attorney to being a uh, real estate attorney uh, without um, really generating some concern. And the idea is, is that you're hired to do a practice area because the law firm uh, wants to plug you into something where they can make money. And, and if you're suddenly deciding you want to do another practice area, that's scary to them because they're going to need to have someone in that place making the money doing that sort of work. So how do you do that? The best way to do that is to start taking work from start taking work from people in, in whatever practice area you're interested in and, 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 and doing that quietly from others. So you, you network. This is one of the reasons I talk about it's important to meet with people outside of work and to go to different events. You network. Uh, you do whatever you can uh, to do your best to uh, take work, to get work from other people. And when you do that, will start. Um, you can take work and doing different types of work and then transition into that. Uh, at a time you might be ready, but you definitely need to try to track down that type of work on your own within your firm. If you can't, sometimes it makes sense to potentially, and if you really know you like that practice area and you really have reasons for doing it, it may make sense to work for another firm. So how does that work? If you're trying to switch practice areas, I talk about this every week, but the way that works is if you're at a four firm, which would be like in your AMLAW with types of firms, uh, which would be you know, a very small percentage of the legal profession does that, then you would probably have to move to, this is like a mid-size, not as prestigious, not paying, not paying as much. You'd probably have to move to a three firm. And then when you move to the three firm, you would be able to eventually probably move back to a four firm once you have experience. Or if you're at a three firm, you move to a two firm, uh, which would be some business. And so you just have to move up and you move up and down depending on what happens. So if you want to move to, a, if you want to do another practice area and you can't do it within your own firm, then many times you're going to have to, uh, um, you're going to have to switch uh, firms. I, I, I just tell you how difficult this is just so you understand. I was, um, several years ago, I was working for, with someone that had graduated uh, the first in their class from Brigham Young University Law School and um, had a job at a big firm uh, in California. This is a long time ago, so it's not, not out at anybody but um, wanted to switch practice areas and basically had the entire nation as their playing ground. They would look in Texas, they would look all over California, they would look in New York. And, and with the exception of one firm in Texas that asked if they would consider doing a practice area that person was interested in, not interested in, that was really didn't get a lot of interest. No one would bite because why would somebody with two years of experience um, but he was only looking at the firms who were the same caliber. If, when he started looking, if he was interested in looking at lower tier firms, he would have gotten interviews, but he didn't. He had a big family. And, and so he 
ultimately ended up staying in his current firm. And when they found out, he told them he was trying to find another job. They actually did switch his practice here. So you can do that, but it's just very difficult if you want to do something differently because are different because law firms just don't necessarily always buy into that. They, they, it's hard from their standpoint. Some attorneys might feel hesitant to approach potential mentors due to concerns about interrupting their busy schedules. How can aspiring mentees make a compelling case for mentorship while respecting their mentor's time commitments? Okay, so that's a good question. So the way to get a mentor is not to ask someone to be your mentor. The way to get a mentor is to do work for that person and have a lot of enthusiasm and be the best possible source of someone doing work for that person. And then as that, as you do more and more work for that person, trust is built up. And, and as different things come up, that person will step in and give you advice and then they eventually become your mentor. It's not that you will suddenly meet somebody and they'll be your mentor or you'll ask them to be your mentor. You have to prove yourself to that person before they're willing to invest their time and so forth and be your mentor. That's all. So you can't just expect someone uh, to be your mentor. You have to spend a lot of time uh, developing them as a mentor. And once you do that, you're going to be, that, that's how it works. That No one's going to give their time to be someone's mentor if, they don't, if you're not helping them or if they don't see part of themselves in you or something along those lines. They need to, you need to make them feel good about themselves before they're willing to invest anything in you. It's just how it is. Okay, there's some guidelines or principles I should follow in addition paying and potentially controversial activities. There's a public or protest or advocacy that I can impact on perceived. Yeah, you're entitled to have political leanings. You're entitled to, to participate in protest and things. You're entitled to, you're entitled to be, have whatever type of private behavior uh, you want. It's, you could be, a, it doesn't matter. I mean, you can be a swinger, whatever you want to do. You can, uh, there's no reason that you can't do these things. Do you want to grow your legal career? A lateral move might be the right choice to get you on track for your career goals. Working with a legal placement firm like BCG Attorney Search can open doors for you and help you live the life you dream of. If you're looking for a new legal job, send us your resume so we can help. Visit www.bcgsearch.com and click on Submit Resume to be paired with one of our legal placement professionals who will work tirelessly on your behalf to get you your dream legal job. Submit your resume to www.bcgsearch.com to get started today. Um, the only thing you need to worry about is you want to be very careful to not allow a lot of that information to get back to your firm or to make it influence how you do your work. So maybe you're um, publicly protesting against the environment and or for the environment and against big energy companies, and yet you're representing energy companies. So that's not going to really sit well with your firm or with your clients if any of that gets back to them. So you just need to be very careful and, and how you go about that. Because if you go about it in the wrong way, then, then that's going to impact how you're seen. So it's very interesting. I see all these resumes all the time and, and people are very proud of listing all of these, whether they're right-wing groups or left-wing groups or far left or far right, there are people will, will put them on the resume as if that's a great thing. The, the new one that I'm starting to see is people putting on these groups on their resume that they're not even a part of and and basically in trying to look like not even a part of it. They're not, I don't want to 
talk about it, but they'll put all these groups and things on their resume and they'll, it'll take like front and center over their legal experience. And all these controversial activities, which aren't necessarily controversial, there's nothing wrong with protesting to help a union or something or whatever it is you want to do, but it is wrong if it, it interferes with your job or if you define yourself on that instead of being like a non-biased attorney, you define yourself based on that. So you just need to be very careful about how you allow that stuff to impact your career. Okay. These are great questions. I mean, I appreciate them. This is awesome. Um, okay. As an attorney advances in their career and potentially becomes a mentor themselves, how can they ensure they're providing effective guidance for me open to learning from the perspectives of other mentees? So the way a mentor works is a mentor is uh, someone that guides people to make, helps people make better decisions based on what they know without necessarily telling the person what to do. So I had this experience where this is recent, where I'm in this group, this business group, where people that were supposed to be doing something with me, which is like this small kind of group called a forum where you, business people get together and talk about business issues, where people were supposed to be part of this forum with me, and yet they, they, weren't, they weren't participating. I was mad. And so I had this mentor, and he started inviting me to uh, these things about how to run a good group and stuff because he knew that I was making a mistake with that. So it wasn't like he was telling me I had a problem. It wasn't like saying I was doing something wrong. He was just pointing me um, in the right direction. So that's really how you should think about things as a mentor is you should, your, your job is to help people make better decisions without telling them necessarily directly what they should be doing. That's what the best mentors do. So being a good mentor is important and you don't necessarily need to guide people directly. You just guide them with different ideas and things that they may not do on their own, if that makes sense. Okay, in certain aspects of the law firm's culture seem appealing to me, but there are certain aspects that concern me. How do I determine what those concerns are deal breakers or if they're manageable challenges? Okay, so every law firm has stuff that's wrong about its culture. So you never can, you're never going to get a perfect culture. And there's always things that you can find wrong with the culture. So that shouldn't really be your job. Your job is to see if the overall culture, does the overall culture support me? That's it. If the overall culture, let me write this, does the overall culture support me? Sure, support me. So if the overall culture supports you, then that's good. If the overall culture to you is repugnant, then, then you need to get out or if it just doesn't feel right. So sometimes you'll meet people and those people will not feel right. Sometimes you will be, you'll, I don't know, you'll talk to people or you'll be part of groups and you'll feel very uncomfortable. It, it's just what it is. And so when that happens, uh, you, you need to run for the hills. But if the overall culture does support you, then there's nothing really to worry about. Okay, let's see here. This, if this webinar were mandatory, I think law school applications would drop by 50%, especially for women. 12 to 15 are the recipes for quid pro quo sexual harassment. So I don't, this is a, a good point. I don't know, really, let me see which we're 12 through 15 here. Just give me one second. I want to make sure I'm going to answer your question as well as I possibly can. So I'm certainly not trying to, let's see here. 15 is ask your superiors what they think of you and you need to proof. Okay. 14 is you be part of the outside of work. You have percentage will learn about it. Okay. That's true. Your career may depend on having a good mentor. Okay. 
And it's important to take care of yourself and look healthy. Okay, so all those reasons, I'm not saying you're wrong to have that opinion, but I do not think, I don't think anybody uh, should tolerate, obviously, sexual harassment or be um, in a position uh, for that to happen. Uh, but things like mentors um, and that sort of thing, or uh, I don't necessarily think that if you're a female, your mentor has to be a man. And and I, I will say that I've seen um, some very serious and dangerous issues of uh, sexual harassment happen in law firms. And so I do believe, um, you know, that it's definitely um, a case, but, you know, these sorts of things uh, that happen um, inside of law firms, I would say, um, just for my perspective, uh, are things that happen in any employer. So that's something that can happen in any employer. And I actually, when I was in law school, I'll just tell you, I was actually sexually um, harassed by a male teacher, which think about that. It's it definitely, this stuff happens. And so you need to just be very, realize that most of the stuff that applies to law firms also applies to other types of employers as well. So it's not just in terms of people that are in law school that, I mean, in, in law firms that it happens to, it's really a an indictment, I guess, if you would put it, of almost every employer, because these things happen. It's not, I'm certainly not creating them. I'm just telling you what I see. Okay, what do you do if you hurt your reputation with a partner in your firm for being late to assignments, prioritizing other assignments? What advice do you have for redeeming yourself? So sometimes you can't, which is okay. Like you, every, no one is perfect. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to think you do the best work. Not everybody's going to give you repeat business after you do work for them. So there's just all sorts of things that you need to be aware of that you can't necessarily fix. And that's okay. If you make a mistake and you can't fix something, you'll do the best you can. So the only way you can redeem yourself after the stuff is to do what you can to not have the same issues um, in the future. So what does that mean? It just means do your best work you can from other people. Uh, learn about the mistake you made with a partner. Don't repeat it again. And, and just make sure that happens. Now, there's a lot of different partners in law firms. There could be in your office, there could be 10 partners, there could be 20 partners, there could be 50 partners, there could be five partners. But regardless, just having one person not like you or you've done bad work for them is something you can definitely overcome. So it's not something uh, to necessarily worry about in the future and I think is going to hurt you in the future. Okay, so the last question is, will there be a recording of this webinar? Yeah, so this webinar will be posted on our site probably within a week. It takes a while to clean these up and so forth, but it'll be on there during about a week. So thank you everybody for all of your questions. Uh, I think these were great questions. I'm uh, very impressed for everyone staying on in this whole webinar, especially after getting kicked off and the internet quit. And I think that this is a very important topic. I hope everyone took notes. And even if you didn't, you come back and remember this stuff. The whole basic idea of this webinar is that one of the most important things of any job, not just practicing law, but are these intangible things that are going on beneath the backgrounds. It's not just your work. It's not just where you went to law school. It's not just your practice area. It's not just your ability to do the work. It's all these other things that end up uh, impacting your success. And um, and so being aware of all these intangibles just means you have to be on a, a constant path of uh, self-improvement and getting better and better um, after everything you do. The other thing I would say too, is if you enjoyed this webinar, you got a lot out of it, always think about other questions you may have during the week, maybe related to this or other topics that you're thinking about. And 
certainly I don't know the answers to everything, but I've been doing this pretty much 10, 12 hours a day for the past quarter centuries, just as you will get this knowledge in your practice area or already have it. If you do it for a long time, this is why I can give us help and information. So thank you everyone. And I appreciate all the questions and everyone staying around after these problems. I'm hopeful I won't have these internet problems next week. And I hope everyone has a good week. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this edition of the show. If you are an attorney looking for a change, head on to bcgsearch.com.